ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second ever episode of my podcast, Aussie Talks. My name is Jordan, and for those who didn't watch the first episode of Aussie Talks, this is going to be a podcast where I cover a variety of issues, whether it be in the sporting world, the political world, or just the world in general. World issues as that. We've got a great uh, variety of topics that we're going to speak about today, everything from the ICC test team and how the best test bowler has been left out of it, and also looking at Jordan's big call, and also Mark McGowan uh, apparently closing the borders for all of eternity. Um, so before we get underway, I'd just like to have a quick thank you to all my listeners from the first podcast. Um, it's been really great to get some nice messages and catching up with people and saying they enjoyed the podcast, so that's great. Um, if you want to get in contact with me, the socials will be in the uh, in my Spotify bio and also at the end of this podcast. Um, if you've got any ideas on the podcast, I've also got um, a few people lined up to come on it. Uh, which will be really good. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks again for the support on that first episode of the podcast. And uh, without further ado, let's get right stuck into episode two of Aussie Talks. It would survive the over. Now, I'd say almost every Australian cricket lover, and there is plenty of us here, was shocked this week when the ICC Test Team of the Year was announced and the number one test bowler in the world was not included. There was only one Australian included in the ICC Test Team of the Year and that being Marnus Labuschagne batting at three. He's the number one test batsman in the world on the ranking points, so that is more than fair, but I don't understand how three fast bowlers with Hassan Ali from Pakistan, Shaheen Afridi from Pakistan, now I've definitely said those two names wrong, and Carl Jameson from New Zealand have been picked ahead of him. Pat Cummins played four tests in this recent Ashes series, took 21 wickets, was the leading wicket-taker in that Ashes series. You know, probably a bit stiff not to win man in the series, but we all know that should have gone to Scotty Boland, who took 18 wickets in three tests and is uh, the saviour to Australian cricket. But that is a different topic indeed. I think it's just a disgrace whoever's in charge of ICC uh, selecting of this team that the number one test bowler in the world was not picked and they put three fast bowlers ahead of him. Now, I'd like to ask you as a viewer, for those who um, have you know, an expertise or, uh, in cricket, I know there's plenty of them out there. If you had a choice of Kyle Jameson, Hassan Ali or Shaheen Afridi and you were picking a team of the best team in the world... Would Pat Cummins be ahead of any of these guys? I think the answer, I know there'll be a bit of bias being Australian. I think he's more than clear ahead. You know, he what he did in Sydney this year, nearly he turned the game on his head, two quick wickets, three quick wickets. You know, he's got an ability to do that. And I'm not, you know, discrediting what these three guys have done this year. Carl Jameson, you know, he's picked up 27 wickets. Um, with an average of 17, which is which is brilliant, and you know that that's something you would probably get you into the ICC t- Test Team of the Year. Um, but you know Hassan Ali, he got you know 41 wickets in nine matches, which you know very good again. And Shaheen Afridi, 47 wickets in nine matches. But I'll ask you this: How many Test matches did Pat Cummins play in the calendar year of 2021? Now we played two Tests against India, and we played two three tests against uh, England in the recent Ashes series within 2021, but they view it as the 2021-22 season. He played four test matches 
we got robbed of that series against South Africa because of COVID. You can't tell me that Pat Cummins wouldn't have been at that level. 21 wickets in four matches where England didn't put up a fight. I think that's got enough to put him in the team. There's sure Australian bias here, but I think whoever's in charge of this ICC test team of the year selection uh, is a disgrace. They've done well with their batting. Uh, I don't think there's anything you can dispute there for anyone who wants to have a look at it. Uh, the only one, maybe Travis Head, you know, man of the series, but he's not getting in over Kane Williamson. Uh, Steve Smith didn't have a good year, so he's not going ahead of Joe Root, who was the best batsman in 2021 and probably the best player on this team. But, yeah, my uh, my nitpick here is that the best bowler in the world and one of the uh, best bowlers I've seen in my lifetime uh is not in the ICC Test Team of the Year. I'm sure it's not going to bother him as he's celebrating in Hobart with the urn around him. But I think, uh, yeah, it's an absolute disgrace that he's not in his ICC Test Team of the Year. Now, I've never been much of a tennis fan, which is a bit strange considering the first two episodes has included segments on tennis uh, with Jordan's big call last week and the Novak situation, which turned out perfectly because he got deported as I was recording the podcast. But with the Medvedev Curios game that happened over the past week, it sort of got me a bit pissed off in the way that Medvedev acted to the fans after his good win against Curios. Now, Curios put up a good fight. He's unseated, hasn't played in a while, cracked the shits a little bit with throwing the racket and everything, breaking it. But he put up a good fight. Medvedev, you know, good win, good on you. But I felt like the way he acted towards the fans at the end of the match was very disrespectful, and I'll explain so after I play a video of the comments that he said, which we'll play now. That part of your strategy coming out here dealing with what Nick and the crowd can bring to a, a night like this. Yeah, I mean, that's the only choice when, when you get booed between first and second serve. It's not easy, so you just had to stay calm and win the match. Now, as you can see from his comments here, he was pretty annoyed by the, whether it be a boo or... As everyone has said, it is the Sue chance that is what Ronaldo does every time he scores. Now it has become a meme. It's all over TikTok, Twitter, whatever, Instagram. And everyone's saying at the Australian Open, I even heard it a bit on Boxing Day um, at the cricket. But oh, it just put me on the bad way. It put me on the bad side of Medvedev after his comments. And I'll tell you why. Now, I've never understood personally tennis um, in tennis, why they have to be quiet. In every other sport, every, maybe not golf, but every other sport, there's noise, crowd noise. It what brings the game alive. It brings the atmosphere. But in tennis, it's, you know, you got to be nice and quiet. Fair enough. It's tradition. Should the fans be saying anything while he's doing his second serve or while he's doing his first serve? No, probably not. And probably not saying the whole Ronaldo thing either. But I ask this. Tennis, as is like every sport in the last two years, has been affected by COVID. They've had majors. Uh, I think the French Open got cancelled. The US Open got cancelled. They've had fans limited or not in attendance. Even 50% were only allowed into Rod Laver Arena for that game um, of tennis, match of tennis. But it just pissed me off, the fact that he disrespected the fans to a point where I was like, pick your, take your pick, mate. Do you want no one in the crowd? playing in front of empty arena where you're getting less money 
or do you want to play in front of an arena that brings atmosphere, that brings something to the game of tennis? Because otherwise, except for the Australian Open and Wimbledon, every Australian who doesn't play tennis finds it so boring. There's no atmosphere. There's nothing. That's what even Curios says that he gets a bit bored when the crowd isn't into it. That's why he leeches off the crowd. That's why every Australian tennis player, maybe not Tomic, leeches off the crowd when they play in the Australian Open. You know, those noises, that, you know, that cheer, the Leighton Hewitt, that's all he did. He came off the crowd like that. Now, should some things been said during Medvedev's serve? No. But I think Medvedev's comments of, you know, treating some respect were completely out of line. I think he's disrespected a lot of the fans who spent their own money. It's not cheap to get Australian Open reserve seat tickets at Rod Laver Arena. I just, just put me on a bad side with him because the last two years, tennis has been affected. They've had less fans in attendance. They haven't been able to go um, and be in front of full crowds. It really ticked me off because with what they said... And what has been said in the past through other fans, it's nowhere near that level. And it's almost begging the question is, okay, do you want no atmosphere and no one watching? Or do you want people watching, people interested? You get more money. Sort of goes in a circle like that. But that's my little nitpick of Medvedev then. And uh, I really hope Tissipas wins because if Medvedev wins, he'll be booted out of the arena. Um, That simple. So of someone who, you know, doesn't like the way our crowds like... You know, you don't like it, mate. Don't come, because that's the Australian way. We have a laugh. We carry on a bit, but it's all in good fun. And if you can't take that, too bad, mate. Now, I don't know if we have any uh, WA listeners on the podcast, but... For anyone who has got a loose interest, Mark Mark McGowan, uh, or Chancellor McGowan, as I think we're going to dub him on this show, uh, made these comments during the week when asked about the border, and he delayed, ended up delaying the uh, the border reopening. Each state and territory will be treated the same. Uh, they're all got huge spread of COVID, so there's not much difference out there. Um, they will be subject to a. Um, the, the border will be what we're calling a new hard border uh, with uh, a different category of ex- exemptions. Now, as you can see here, Mark McGowan, oh, sorry, Chancellor McGowan, as uh, everyone in the eastern states call him, is just... I feel sorry for any WA person who's been stuck there and hasn't seen their family for two years. The fact is that WA would go into lockdown if there was a half a case. You know, they went into lockdown for one case this year. Oh, sorry, um, in 2021. The fact is this. Zero COVID is impossible. It is not possible. We still have cases of the Black Death back from, like, the 13th and 1400s. Mark McGowan, sorry, Chancellor McGowan, believes that I can influence federal election, I can maintain my popularity if we just lock everyone out and basically become our own country. It's not the right way to do it. WA, they've been shut off from the world. They had the World Cup, sorry, they had the AFL Grand Final there. I thought it was not too bad. Pre-match entertainment was atrocious, but that's a different topic. But since then, they had the test match cancelled and he's starting to lose popularity. He put a thing out the other day, he put a video out of him speaking to Aboriginal elders um, about the use of getting vaccine and 
which was ill-advised. He put a Aboriginal elder next to him to translate what he was saying. Like, they know what you're saying. They're both, you're both speaking English. Maybe there's a slight accent change, but Aboriginal people, you know, great people. They know what they're... They know what you're saying, Mark McGowan. This is a problem when you give politicians too much power. He won the election by that much that Liberal had, like, two or three seats. They're not even the opposition. You know, the Nationals are the opposition. He can do this and have no consequences. He could literally just keep WA locked down. He could put the Great Wall of China on the WA border, make them their own country, and he'd still win the next one because the Liberal would have to make up like 30-something seats, which isn't going to happen. So Chancellor McGowan here uh, is just never going to open up to Australia. He's going to do everything he can to influence a federal election by um, allowing Anthony Albanese to win. He actually called Anthony Albanese uh, to let him know of the border being delayed to reopen. Um and Albanese said he was fine with it. And, you know, I didn't know Albanese had any jurisdiction to do that, being a uh, an opposition leader. But either way, I just he's just never going to open up. And it's, it's a shame because WA, I've been to Perth. Oh, I very much like Perth, very quiet, um, very peaceful. But the people there, they've been shut out. And, you know, they don't know any different. Their vaccine, vaccination rates are low, and that's what he keeps blaming. But, you know, you can go to Thailand, you can go to Bali, you can go to Fiji, but you can't go to WA. You know, like, it's just unbelievable and it's a real shame because I have grown up in Australia my whole life and we used to be, before the pandemic, we used to be Australia, now it's turned state to state. You saw it with New South Wales and Victoria, you saw it with Queensland and New South Wales, South Australia and Victoria, with Dan Andrews making the comments of who would want to go to South Australia? Well, literally anybody because we were in lockdown for more than any other city and state in Australia and the Melbourne was in lockdown more than any city in the world. But it's WA versus the rest of Australia at the moment, and it's a real shame because there's a lot of good people in WA, and, you know, Chancellor McGowan has stopped them from seeing their families and stopped them from living their lives, really, by still imposing restrictions and locking them out to the rest of the country. Yes, McGowan, there is a country here, not just you and not just the state of WA. Now, it is time for a segment that I copped a bit of grief about from my mates and also uh, a bit of praise as well. It is time for Jordan's Big Call. Now, my big call of last week of Tissapass winning the Australian Open is still good. Uh, He's won all his matches up to so far. And with the number three seed, Zeverev, I think it is, losing uh, tonight, I feel like it's really opening up. Now, my big call for however long this one is going to last is that the Los Angeles Lakers will not make the playoffs. They may finish in the seventh seed. They may finish in the eighth seed, but they will lose in the playing game. Now, I know this one is a big call that's going to last for five or six months, depending on when the NBA playoffs start. But I think it's maybe even a bit less than that. But, you know, I'm a big follower of the NBA. I've got some good friends who are Los Angeles Lakers fans, and even they are not very optimistic about it. Westbrook, or Westbrick, as I like to call him, has... uh, He's not a right fit for Los Angeles Lakers, and that's why I'm making this call. It's bad to bet against LeBron. I've done it before and seen the consequences, but prove me wrong, LeBron. 
prove me wrong that you can get into the playoffs when you're 38 or however old you are, still kicking ass, while you've got no help with Anthony Davis who would go down if the wind changed direction, and Westbrook who shoots the ball 47 times a game, makes eight, gets a triple double, and the whole media go, oh, how good is he? So that is my big call. The Los Angeles Lakers will not make the playoffs. They will lose in the play-in round, and we're going to have a another NBA playoffs without LeBron James only the second time in his career if I'm not mistaken and then some serious changes will be made in that front office with Westbrook definitely leaving but yeah that is my big call the Lakers will not make the playoffs alright this is going to be a new segment It is going to be called My Top 3, and with this segment, I'm hoping to create a bit of controversy, or controversy, depending on how you pronounce it, within my listeners. I'm going to name my top three in a certain category. So today, it's going to be who I believe is the top three greatest basketball players of all time. To begin, number three, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Number two, LeBron James. And number one, Michael Jordan. Now, I know... A lot of people who would disagree with this, and I know a lot of people who would agree with this list, especially with the one and two arrangement. But yeah, if you think that this is the correct top three, get in contact with me. Let me know. If you think I'm terribly wrong and I have no idea what I'm talking about, please still get in contact with me. I would love to have a discussion about who you think would be, is the top three basketballers of all time. And that is the aim of the top three segment, to create a bit of community feel within this podcast and a bit of discussion between the viewers and me, the creator of the podcast. All right. Thank you for listening to episode two of my podcast. We covered a lot of issues today. We also had a look at a new segment, my top three, which will create uh, some controversy throughout my listeners, which is always what I like to see. I've got some really exciting things lined up for podcasts like this in the future. I've got, you know, people who want to come on the podcast, uh, people who want to, you know, suggest things. If you have anything to suggest or anything to say to me about the podcast, my Instagram is at Jordan underscore M340. If you don't have Instagram, you can get on in contact with me on Twitter at uh, at Jordan M340. Uh, thank you once again for the support on the first podcast. Got some really nice messages and some very nice things said to me in person um, through all my listeners. So thank you for that. Once again, I hope you enjoyed this podcast here today. Got some good things lined up for the future. And uh, until next time, guys, I'll see you later. Cheers. Cheers.